This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, Now, up to to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone, and today on the program, I sit down with an All-Star and a World Series champion, the MVP of the 1990s World Series, a member of the Cincinnati Reds. And he's an ex-teammate of mine, member of the Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame, Jose Rijo. Jose, thanks for coming on the Boone Podcast. Oh, Booney, you don't know how much pressure it is to be in this broadcast uh, talking to you. Bring me some great memory, not just about baseball memory, even a family, Oriental family. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've been with all of us. You've played with me and Aaron. You've played under dad. We'll get to that in a little bit. Jose, I want to I want to clear this up, and this is funny. It's something I used to laugh at. You're very you're very well known for this. I l- let me turn the clock back for those listening to the Boom Podcast. Jose was in was in uh, Cincinnati from from '88 to '95, and I got traded from the from the Seattle Mariners to the to the Reds after the '93 season. And I come in, and Jose Rio, and he's the star ace pitcher of the Reds. I'm a young player. And, and he's got this stuff in his locker. And I'm, I'm like, what is that? It was snake oil. And he said, yeah, Booty, it's really good for the elbow. Jose wasn't a big guy that iced after the game, iced before the game. Explain to the world the snake oil, what was behind it, how you started using it. Did it work? Yeah, you know, uh, unfortunately, since early in my career, I've been elbow problems. And uh, I'm usually on the doctor, I'm usually uh, Andrews and the, the one in Dominican. But the Dominican, you know, we used a lot of stuff in the side, and that was one of them. And somebody recommended that a snake oil was good for the ligament and slew for the pain. It, it, it helped loosen it, the, the ligament. And that's what I have a trouble with, my ligament. Uh, unfortunately, my whole career, it was that way. Like you said earlier, it was, you know, when we were young, and I still used it. So I used it throughout my whole career. And it was very good because every time I used it, for some reason, it feels different and it feels better. So that's what I keep using it. You know, as bad as my elbow feel, that when I start using that, it just, for some reason, feel better. So I became a big, firm believer of that snake oil was good for me. I want to talk a little bit about growing up in the Dominican Republic and, and uh, 
the different route players take from from uh, coming from the Dominican. Some a lot of great players, some of the greatest players in the world come out of the Dominican Republic. I know down there, baseball is a huge, huge part of your life, especially as a kid. Everybody wants to grow up to be uh, a major league baseball player. Just touch on a little bit growing up there and the differences between the Dominican and the states. And when you come over, uh, how much of a how much of a culture shock it is, how much of an adjustment is for a young professional baseball player coming from the Dominican? You know, that's a great question. Uh, a lot of people, you know, like you said, take a different route. And the Dominican baseball world is so different. It's so hard. I, I remember when I first came out to the state, the the player around me from from here from the state, from American, they used to tell me, I, I get it now. He said, the only two ways to leave the country, it was by throwing or swinging. And I believe it. Because uh, most of the people that I know, they either ex- – Baseball player uh, of a few family uh, normal they came to the state, but normally most of the people that leave the island is by throwing or swinging, playing ball, and uh, it was very difficult part because uh, we got to work hard. You know, at early age, it's like uh, like going to school here or going to college in Dominica. We go to baseball camp to graduate and become a, a pro professional. But the thing that we got to go through, it's a little bit different because it's more physical and it's more, it's harder in a way unless you have the ability. Most of the, the, the players don't have the ability and they develop it in, 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 in a way to become a major league player. And the hardest part is to get used to it, to all the hard work every day. You know, again, you got to get more than uh, 60% mentally more than physical to get ready to, 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 to make that change. And then when you came to the state, the culture different is so huge. I mean, it's so different. I remember came here at 15 years old and I had to cook for myself. I had to eat, you know, individually because they don't have restaurants, they don't have the facility that they have now. I used to go to 7-Eleven and point at the chicken that was in the little container there. It was cooked by the light. It been there for like 16 hours. <laughs> the light was so, you know, it was unbelievable. But I would eat, eat, I used to eat one chicken a day into the later uh, a month, after a month, I found out that I was spending too much money. So then I learned how to cook. Then it cost me a little bit of money to get the phone call to my grandmother to ask her to teach me how to cook. And it take me a, a week to do it. I remember the minute. The minute by the phone call was four seventy five and quarter. And it would take me five or six minutes. And I, the guy told me, Hey, this is getting too expensive. Hurry up. I learned how to cook. <laughs> because it was yeah. we wanna eat you wanna eat chicken, rice and beans. And that's uh that culture was unbelievable. And lets you make it to a bigger level when you go to the minor league system is so hard for anybody. You know, the the, the American, Dominican, more Dominican because the uh the culture different, but it was something that I, I laughing about it, that we joke about it today, but it's not something that you recommend somebody to go through it unless you really love what you're doing. But that's the case, and some of us will make it to the major league you know, level. We love what we're doing, or we don't care what we're going through. That's the difference, and us being, some of them being good, 
I'm being so great because what we're going through, you really got to know how to play ball the way it is. Yeah, because, you know, you don't – and I think just myself, for for example, I'm coming out of college. I'm 20, 21 years old, and uh, I go to A-ball. I go to double-A. I don't think about that young kid from the Dominican that's, that's 17 years old, that's 16 years old. Where was I when I was 16? I was in a high school league. I, I didn't have to deal with a language barrier. That's the biggest thing for me. I, I understand when you're older, when you're 22, 23, and you're a young man, you're an adult. Uh, you could handle those things a little bit different. But you mentioned you came here when you were 15 years old. You're in a different country, different language. You're trying to figure your way through. And by the way, you've got to pitch really good or you'll get fired from your job. So there's a exactly. lot on your plate. There's a lot on your plate that, that uh, you know what, I think the system's getting better. They're starting to facilitate a, uh, a little bit better and, and have a little Absolutely, bit more yeah. smooth process. But you're right. It's been a long, uh, it's been a long time coming. Well, I, I want to give a uh, give you a compliment. That is something that is very special for us. Uh, playing with you and your brother, I make it a little bit different, a little bit better, because not everybody got the same attitude and approach and the approach for the game uh, for the other people. You know, he, you and uh, your brother hope other people like if somebody else did it, and it's not too many players they do that. That's the only the, the difference to make us better. When you find somebody. Like you, uh, your brother Aaron, uh, Eric Davis, very uh, liking. Do they really help you to understand the situation? Most of the guys they just make fun of you, make it even harder for you. That's where you got to be strong-minded, and that's really, really help out us Dominican or Puerto Rican or Mexican, uh, Venezuelan to make their career better or less difficult. I should say, because. It, when you don't have that, and you got to work harder, and then you got teammates that don't balance with you or don't help you out, they make it even worse. Um, there's no draft in the Dominican Republic. You're a free agent. How'd you end up signing with uh, the Yankees? Uh, I was uh, when I was 14 years old. Uh, I went to a help. I went to help uh, couple of my buddy that was playing ball that was like 20, 22. And they told me they want me to be, be the bad boy for them while they were getting a tryout. So when when he saw like 20 players and he asked uh, my boy, my friend, do you have anybody else? And he said, well, I got this kid. He's only 14 years old. He's not able, I'm not ready to sign yet. But he said, let me see him anyway, just in case, uh, or for future reference or whatever. I said, okay. Then I throw, and he happened to be uh, choosing me for being decided, but I said I can't do it. You know, I got to talk to my brother, who's in charge of me. You know, because I don't live with my parents by then. So then when we went and talked to my brother, he said, "No, he's too young. He got to wait at least one or two more years before he can sign." And then the Yankees came in six months later for a tryout, and they took me again, knowing that I wasn't available. But they weren't impressed with myself. So I went in, and the guy said, we want to sign Rio. We don't want to sign nobody else. Then I went to my brother again, who happened to be with another S player, Coco. And uh, they said, we want to sign Rio. He said, no. And then my brother said, the guy told my brother, he said, listen, you got to let it sign. If something happened in a row and he can sign, he's going to blame it on you. You don't want to carry that. 
the bird, you know, let him sign. So he let me sign at 15 years old. Wow. You come, you come stateside, and then it, it gets even more. I, I talk about, you know, I talk a lot about on this program uh, um, <clears throat> the age, the, the maturity level for an 18-year-old, for a 19-year-old, for a 20. From 18 through 21, it's a huge difference of, of not only the physical for most young players, but the mental. Um, when I was 18 year old, years old, Jose, I was a senior in high school getting ready to go to my freshman year of college. And when I'm, uh, when I'm looking at Jose Rio and his career, you're getting called up to the big leagues when you're 18 years old for the New York Yankees. I'm playing in front of 50 or 60 people. You're playing at Yankee Stadium. You see young kids today getting called up, and, and I'm always in awe. My time was Ken Griffey Jr. He got called up at 18 years old, you know, going into 19. And I'm thinking, man, I couldn't imagine doing that. When I was 18, I thought I was ready. But but then when you, you settle down and you play a little bit, and you mature a little bit, you get to that 21, 22. Now I was ready mentally and physically. I couldn't imagine 18. What was it for you when you got the call? You're going to the big leagues. You're going to the Bronx. You're 18 years old. My story is a little bit different, and it was beautiful. It's a good one. Uh, that's another great question. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Yeah, because that was the, the, the mental part of all of us is the more difficult part. The physical part is kind of easy because we doing what we love to do and what we've been training to do. So the physical part is always going to be there. The mental part is the toughest thing in the whole world. And in my case, when I was in the Yankees in the minor league system, I remember the year before, I had a great season. I was an able over the Yankees, and I was 17 and three, one something ear red, you know, lead the lead and ear red and strike out everything. Good. But when we went to spring training and to Major League Cal when I got invited, you know, I got Lou Pinella, uh, Dave Winfrey, uh, Don Baylor, uh, Bucky Dane, Gray Nettle. Willie Randolph, uh, Ron Guidry. Uh, it was unbelievable. And them being fully developed, and some of them was in the way in, the way out. And me being a, a 18 years old, I said, wow, this is going to be tough. But luckily enough, my arm was good enough to take me to, the, to, a, to a different level because mentally I wasn't ready. So we went to Dominican that year. And I remember that was the last time any American team went to Dominican to play ball. Uh, we were there to play the Astro. And uh, I was scheduled to pitch in Dominican uh, the last game. And I remember Lou Pinella told me, told me on the side, I said, Rio, you, uh, you pitching tomorrow. You really want to pitch? I said, hell yeah, I want to pitch. He said, well, we're not going to pitch. He said, why? He said, you make the team. And I want you to go with your family. Enjoy your family. I let them know. That was, oh, my God. That was better than throwing no hitter that day, you know, to go out and let my family know that I become an official, a major league player for the Yankees. That was unbelievable. That was great news. And me being 18 years old, it couldn't happen any better. No way, Jose. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's unbelievable. And, uh, you know, there's a guy, Lou Pinella, who you're going to cross paths with later in your career. Uh, You played only one year in the Bronx. You head to the A's for three years. And then we get to the Reds and where your career really kind of took off and you became that ace number one guy. Uh, you played there from 88 to, to 95 and Lou wasn't back in your life right away, but I, I got to hear this Cincinnati Pete Rose is your skipper. I, listen, Jose, I, I grew up with Pete. Okay. He playing with, with my dad and I was just a little kid, but I grew up and I saw Pete and I saw him, you know, in his heyday, I want to hear what it's like playing for Pete. Oh, Bonnie, it was it was it was a great, great beginning for me. You know, be coming up a Cincinnati Ray and had Luke Pinella uh in the Yankees and then have P. Rose as a manager. And I mentioned Lou because Lou was always always was on my back, always trying to make me better, always giving me advice, even when we played together at the Yankees. I don't know if we're gonna have him in the past in the future. Unfortunately, I did. Well, when I got there and I saw P. Rowe as a manager, that was unbelievable. Then it's something that nobody, nobody, not only at 18, like I was, mm-hmm. at any, any age, I was expected to uh, looping in at I mean, uh, P. Rowe to be a manager. And P. was so right away into me, he asked me, he said, Hosey, what do I need to you? What do I need to do to you or with you? To make sure you feel comfortable here, mm-hmm. what happened to you in open? And mm-hmm. right away, I went out. Mm-hmm. I told him what I uh, went through. Mm-hmm. Tony Larusa. I said, mm-hmm. Tony Larusa, he wanted me to pitch a no hitter every time I go out there. I mean, I, I will pitch good, but always, and it was, and it was never good enough. And then I remember that Dave Duncan, uh, being the pitching coach, uh, he said sometime a couple of times that uh, Eric Plunk, one of my great teammates, he said, Aeroplone developed better before you, which I know it went truth. He got a great arm, too, by becoming a good pitcher, but I know he wasn't better than me at that time. And he told me all that, and I said, damn, that's a lot of pressure. He said, I don't want to, you know, be there because I got to fail. I got to pitch a no-hitter every time that I'm in the mound to stay at the major league level. And he sent me down like four or five times. I remember one time I, I beat Boston three to one. And he sent me down three days later, you know, Russo did. And I said, I don't want to play, you know, for him anymore. I asked Sandy Anderson, the GM, that I want to be traded. And he asked me why. I said, I just don't get along with Tony Duke. They, for some reason, they don't like me. He said, Rosie, I can't trade you. You know, I trade Parker for you. You know, he, we got to make the trade look good. So I can just turn around and trade him right away. He said, you got to show me, you know, then I may trade you. And Lou... I mean, uh, Pete would say right away, 
Oh, so he took got a Toronto hitter? He said, I don't care here. He can get your ass kicked every day. I ain't going to send you down. You're going to pitch for me no matter what. And I said, why? He said, I trade my best player for you, Dave Parker. So you got to make me look good in that trade. So don't you forget that. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it was so nasty because right away, opening day, this is unbelievable. Opening day, it was tied in the 12 inning. And he didn't give enough time to get loose because he really running out of pitcher. Uh, he told me to get in the mound and, and pitch. And I remember I gave about four runs opening day. And I said, oh, there we go again. They're going to send me down again. The next day, they get the game with tie in the seven. Um, B called me up out of the bullpen again. He said, Rio, I hope you get your butt kicked again. You're still not going down. You're here to stay. So do your job. Don't worry about it. I remember I won like eight games in a row out of the bullpen. Then he said, "You got. I got enough for you at the bullpen. You're going to be a starting pitcher now, and you're going to be here for good. So that was it. That's what I need to hear, and that's the, the conference that I need to develop to become who I became in, later in the future. That's cool to hear cause, because what people don't realize that often is, especially a young player with a lot of potential, uh, I think that's kind of the art to managing a little bit. It, it's the great ones it, can read the room. They know the personality. They know they know a young Jose Rijo and how to get the best out of you. You just said it. That's all I needed to hear from Pete was that he he believed in me and I wasn't going anywhere. That that settles your exactly. mind enough. That settles your mind enough to just do what you can do. Where Pete maybe with another type player, an elder player, you know, a veteran player, he might have a different approach to him to get the same result. And uh, that's really cool to hear because sometimes that's all it needs. And that's the mental side of the game. Pete told you what you needed to hear. He knew you were a valuable commodity to that team. And he needed to get the best out of Jose Rio. The next five or the next six years, uh, you have a two, three, nine, a two, eight, four, a two, seven, oh, two, five. I look at your whole Cincinnati career, Jose. You were only an all-star one time in 94, but you could have been an all-star three or four times uh, with that, with that earned run average. You were the, you were the. It was just my elbow, my elbow, my elbow, my elbow was really keeping me out. Yeah. Uh, Talk about that 1990 season. Uh, We've had, we've had a bunch of them on. We've, we've had Boogie on here. And for you listening, Boogie is Eric Davis. We've had Lark on. Uh, I've had Spuds. Uh, We've had the nasty boys, all three of them on the on the program. Uh, Paul O'Neill, Hal Morris, and these are all guys that you kind of that were coming together in 1990 in that in that World Series champion season. Um, you go from Pete to Lou Pinella, your old buddy, your old yeah, buddy yeah. back from from the Yankees. What was different about that 90s team? And when Pete um, when, when he passed it from when it went from Pete to Lou. How did that change, or did it change in Cincinnati, nineteen ninety spring training? It did change. It did change a lot because, uh, unfortunately, we don't get to develop uh, P. Rose's uh, managerial career and the knowledge he have in the game. Uh, Pete was great. He was going to be awesome. He was going to be a winner because uh, the way he played, it is the way he went. It was teaching us how to play the game hard. And then, you know, and then physical, you know, and also being smart. Unfortunately, you know, we get to see the development of his 
managerial career. But then when we went to to Lou uh, Pinella, it was unbelievable. He, he, Lou got the Spanish mentality, and he played again for so long that it was uh, easy to play for Lou. Lou, Lou was kind of a psychologist, psychiatrist in, 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 as a manager. I mean, he will read your mind. He will motivate you like you won't believe. To this day, I learned that it don't matter how good of a team you have. If you don't have a good manager directing the 25 player in the 10 duration, he ain't going to win. For, for example, the Oakland team, there's no way you should have been in the same field with them. They were so much better. But knowing my teammate, like like the guy you just mentioned, uh, Davis, uh, Larkin, uh, the Nasty Boy, Morris, uh, all the guy, the way they think, the way they learn how to play the game, that's what the difference make right there because uh, they was playing smart, hard, and know what, you know what to do. They believe in themselves. They believe in their teammate, and they believe they were going to win. As a matter of fact, let me mention something that I don't think you've you heard it before. Uh, before or after. We were the only team in baseball in the whole world to win wire to wire from day one to the World Series being first place. And that was no coincidence. It was no talent. It was just a combination of all of them combined. And that's what we learned from Pete to Lupinella. I remember one day that I was pitching and uh, Lupinella came up. We were playing in Cincinnati. It was a day again in July. And I went in the game three to one, and I got the base loaded in the seventh inning. And it was so hot, Booney. It was so hot. You know how to get there on that turf. Yeah. Then uh, when he came in in the seventh, he never take me out in any game except on one. And that was the game fourth in the World Series. He never took me out of the game without asking me how I'm doing. And that day, he said, Rio, I got it. How you feel it? I said, he wanted to know the truth. He wanted me to know my story. He said, we need to win this game. We need to win this game. How are you really feeling? He said, I said, Lou, I'm about 60% right now. I'm dehydrated. He said, good, good. I said, what do you mean good? He said, you look at the guy in the bullpen, warming up. I said, yeah, it's got scatter. He said, he's 100%. But I prefer you 60 Finish this inning and I take you out. I ended up <laughs> I ended up striking both out, and then he took me out. I see that motivation, that's a compliment about being a different, about being a winner or just being a good team, for sure. And, and that's cool. You said he was a psychologist. He was a psych- psychologist. He was. He was. Just that, he was. He just, right, he just turned your attitude from, Lou, I'm 60%, man. This is tough on me. He turned it from, well, your 60% is better than his 100. All of a sudden, you got a little burst of energy, like, that's what I'm talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Those are, little, those are subtle things that aren't talked about in the game but are so important. Exactly. Exactly. Even, even now, in the same year that we're talking about the World Series, I remember yeah. uh, get, get, game fourth that we're supposed to be swept. We're supposed to be lose, you know, four games real real quick. And then uh, we won the first three. And then in, in, the, in the fourth game, I remember Billy Hatcher got hit in the, in, the, in the wrist. He was out of the game for three months. Eric Davis dove for a ball mm. in the left field. He's broke his mm. uh, kidney. And mm. it was 
mm. one another in the seventeen mm. and uh I came mm. out out of the field mm. and step up in it mm. in the, the dog out mm. and I told the guy I called mm. him out I said guy mm. this is the last day we're gonna play mm. a play if we want to. We need to win this game because there's no way we're going to win another game without Archer, uh, David, or myself against that team. We need to win. Give me two runs and let me finish this game and let's get out of here because no, there's no way we're coming back here anymore. And, bro, and it, so I don't even remember how they scored those two runs. And Arkin told me, Rio, you got your two runs. Finish them up. I remember ended up retiring the last 20 Part of that I face, and then in the ninth inning, I strike out Harold Bain, and I thought we were going to finish the game, and that's the first time the Lou took me out without asking me how I'm doing. I remember him uh, waving uh, Randy Mayer right away, and uh, I said, "Lou, what the heck you doing?" He said, "Rio, uh, you do your job. Let me do mine." I said, "Oh yeah." He said, "I'm pitching the whole year for this moment. Are you taking me out? You could at least." Give me a chance to get somebody on base. Because Canseco, he don't play today because I struck about three times the first game. Now he's going to pinch it and he lead the hit in home run. He said, if you don't do your job, you won't do mine, I see you outside. That's the, the kind of relationship that me and Lou developed, which is great. And I remember exactly it happened that way. He took me out, Randy came in, Canseco came to hit. And I went sit down, I was so nervous. I was unbelievable. And Lucy missed me, he said, Don't worry about it, we got you, we got your back. And so all of a sudden, right away, he popped it up and uh, we won the ball game. And it, it was awesome. It was great. It was. You talk about that series, and, and that was like, it was like they, they, the, the media made it out to be David and Goliath. I mean, it was the Bash brothers. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yep, yep. And the Reds weren't supposed to win that. That series, not only did you win, but you swept him. Uh, exactly. Me, I remember, I, I remember that, that that day that I was pitching that that opening day that I went to eat my lasagna, and I uh, always read the, uh, the the newspaper to see the report. And I remember seeing the front page of the USA Today. It said in the sports page, it said Oakland. They got six players: guys, store. Conseco, or Maguire, Ricky Hamilton, Danny yeah. Eckersley, and somebody else. Then when I turned the page, Cincinnati, they only got my photo in there. I said, Jesus, there's a lot of pressure. <laughs> Everybody was in favor of Oakland. I mean, there's the one people in the whole world that I read about it, um, media-wise, that it was give us a chance to win one ball game. It was unbelievable. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It was awesome. Uh, to sweep them, uh, you win the MVP, you go 2-0 and in, in that World Series, and only four games, there's only four decisions. Um, yeah. Going back to Cincinnati, you know, a city I played uh, five years in, you played more than that. Yeah, I think you played nine or ten years in Cincinnati. Um, yeah. What was that like coming home, doing that parade in front of the hometown fans? And I got one more question for you about Cincinnati, and then we'll move on. But talk to me about okay. coming home, being the World Series MVP, and, and that and that uh, parade that they held for you in Cincinnati. I, I want to make this a little bit more interesting. I remember uh, I was winning in, in, in Oakland, and every team throw a party, uh, get together, you know, eat, whatever. I remember Marshad being the owner. And there was no food, no drink, no nothing. I ended up eating a white castle. I ended up eating a white castle that day. I got like 24 uh, little burgers. <laughs> but the most beautiful thing, the most beautiful thing was when I came home, when we came home from in the plane, I can see from the airplane all the way to my house, the sign, we hope we love you. We hope you president. We hope this. Then when I got into my car, all the way to my house, there was just a lot of sign. We hope MVP, we hope this. It doesn't get no better. They made me feel like I was the mayor I was the mayor of Cincinnati. Very, that is cool. That is awesome. I want to talk about Marge Shot a little bit. You know, Jose, I played for her later. I played for her in the mid-90s. And, man, she wanted to win, but, boy, she was cheap. We, <laughs> you know, I remember getting I remember getting on a plane to, to L.A., and we were flying commercial, which I want to – which really wasn't fair to us as players. That being said, it wasn't fair to the public that had to ride with us across the country. You know, and we had all of us, absolutely, up front, absolutely. all of them in the back, and it wasn't fair either way. You know, that was a that was a time where Dion was a pretty big deal. We're sitting there in the in the airport, and Dion Sanders is there, and it was kind <laughs> of a circus for us flying to L.A. It but was. Remember, that's how Marge was. You know, it was man. Uh, yeah, Marge, I need a new I, I need a new T shirt. Well. I, I need your old T-shirt, and I'll give you a new T-shirt. But at the end of the day, she wanted to win. Give me, give me just a funny Marge story, Marge shot story. Marge, Marge was um, she was a sweetheart. She was uh, weird in a way. She was tight. There's nothing, you know, no other way to put it. Uh, but she was uh, a winner. She wanted to win every time, you know. Uh, she used to invite me to her house, you know, ride the elephant, uh, ride the camel. But the, the, the biggest thing is, like, when I was uh, hurting in 95, then I got my surgery, the teammate, the, the playoff, she didn't let me fly in the plane. She said that I wasn't going to pitch, and why do I want to go there? She told me she had, they got no seat for me in the plane, no room. But she took the the tough dog yeah. in, in the fourth-class seat, which she cannot <laughs> take the, the best pitcher to, to the seat. To, to root for my teammate. That's some of the stuff she was doing. But the worst thing she did was in the, in, after we won that World Series. 
There was no party, no no food, no drink, no get together, nothing. Like I said before, I ended up eating a White Castle, like twenty four little burger. And then, so when we came home, that that stuff was so beautiful that you know we just don't have any bad moment. If you have any bad moment in your life, you forget about it because seeing the public, seeing the fans, seeing Cincinnati, so excited, so happy. That's what. We, the game was all about it. Not for us just to win. It's just for the city. And the city showed show you so much love. I mean, all the way to my house, I seen the sign, Rio, we love you. Rio president. That is unbelievable. It doesn't get any better. You know, one of the reasons that I keep coming back to here for Cincinnati, believe it or not, I feel better. I'm more comfortable in Cincinnati than when I'm a Dominican. Because pe people here appreciate it. Bring a winner to Cincinnati. That's the one thing when you, you know, and I never got a chance. To, I, I got a chance to go to a World Series. I never won one. But once you win one, those those people in that city, that part of the country, they never forget that. And and that's yeah, but not, and not only that, especially when you get the MVP, too. <laughs> that's that's right. Always. <laughs> you know, that adds a little bit to when you're signing autographs. Like, well, that's an extra thousand if you want me to write the MVP. Absolutely. 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 Really cool. Before yeah. I came over, I got a chance to play with Jose, with you for for a couple of years. We were teammates. Uh, the strike year '94, we were good, man. We were wire to wire, and it ended up we ended up uh, going on strike '95. We had the playoff run, uh, and really a good nucleus we had we had intact. Absolutely, absolutely. Your arm problems, your elbow always bothered. You said since a young age. You had the surgery after 95 and you did something that not too many people, nobody I ever knew did, but you took, you had five years off. Nobody thought Jose Rio was ever going to pitch in the big leagues again. You come back in Oh one and you pitch, you pitch in relief. And in Oh two, you, you, you go back and you start some games. I think it, you're the only guy ever that's that's been off five years, came back and won a big league game. You played for Bob Boone. I got to hear about what it's like playing for for my pops. You know, you know it, it all started. You know, him being a, uh, as a coach, he was awesome. And then when he became a manager, when in my comeback, my biggest test that I had to make the team, it was Booning. He catched to me. He was a, he was a manager. And he catched for me to see my potential if he was still able to get major league players out. And he would call pitches in a, in a different situation that I would throw it. But he would just test me, test my arm to see how I was doing. And it was unbelievable. I remember him when I throw one pitch, the fastball inside, he said, ah, you got enough. You ready. You ready. Go rehab and come back. You ready. That was unbelievable. And then pitch for him. I remember that, that they needed a starting pitch when I was in the bullpen after my fight surgery. And I remember Jim Bowden told me, Rio, we need a starter. Can you recommend somebody? I said, yeah. He said, who? He said, myself. I said, we can't pitch no more than two innings. You ever going to fall off? You pitch more than three innings. He said, that's right. Nothing to lose. So they sent me up there. And I remember being up there, being five and zero. Oh, I was leading. I was leading the league in everyone average, like I think one point two five. Into one day that we play in San Francisco, 
Booney uh, was thrown out of the game for some reason. And I was in the seventh inning, losing the game against the Giants, three, three to one. And I remember um, the pitching coach, he left me out there and throw 125 pitches. After all that surgery, all that time off, that was the end of my, my, my career and my life. Because I can't even left my arm the next day. I went to a rehab, a stretching, but still, it wasn't the same anymore after that. Yeah. And, and you finished. That was, that was the last time, 02, that you yeah. pitched. I mean, great career. 05, uh, you get a phone call from Cincinnati. Uh, got inducted into the Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame, which – you know, I've been back for some events, and, and it's really a cool I, – I think it's Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame. Stands out. It's a little different than the other ones. The Yankees have a prestigious one. St. Louis Cardinals come to mind, but the Cincinnati Reds, uh, prestigious. And uh, Bunny, I think be, being a Cincinnati Red player, you got to be – you got to feel special. Not because you're a better team than anybody else or you're getting paid more than anybody else. It's because the Cincinnati Reds fan – they love the player. They love the baseball team. They love baseball. And they, you know they're crazy about the baseball team. Cincinnati Reds fan, uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Jose Rio, this has been awesome, man. I appreciate you coming on, and, and it's fun catching up, and I'm sure I'll see you at, a, at an event coming up soon. For those of you out there listening to the Boone Podcast, appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next time. 